This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Sir David of House Fraser, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. Welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into Tyrion 3 of A Clash of Kings, and in our maester study, we will be discussing the Summer Isles. That is true. We are also doing this episode live in our Facebook group, as you guys know. You know it's dark times out there, Ez. Yes, it I is. Mean, you'd say that the night is dark and full of terrors, but the <laughs> days are dark. And the streets are empty. So they are. <laughs> I mean, they're literally empty. We're not even legally allowed to go outside anymore. That's where we're at. It's crazy. Uh, but you know what? We're going to hang out with you guys today. We're going to talk some Game of Thrones. We're going to talk this chapter. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. Hope everybody's, you know, just yeah. hanging out, having some fun. It's what we're going to be doing today. So, as how are you doing, man? Well, like you said, um, been inside a lot. I actually went out today and took like a walk and I was sort of like, am I allowed to do this? I was just, you know, like triple checking, uh, you know, but yeah, I went down the path, um, did that for a bit. Uh, I went and got some food for my dad, uh, just cause we're dropping stuff off on the back porch type of thing there. But yeah, that's, uh, that's really about it. Uh, trying to make some reading, been reading a lot and listening ahead in the book, which has been fun. So I did like a whole Theon uh, read through, which has been crazy. I, I, for some reason, I, I, it was the next Theon chapter that we come to. I hit that and I was like, what happens next? And I just kind of kept going. And it was great. I actually uh, learned one or two things I, I had forgotten. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, but but nice. I'm doing well. Um, how are things over there in uh, in Oregon? Oh, man, we just got shut down today. Fortunately, I work in the freight industry, so I'm not shut down, although, you know, People are getting laid off a lot of places. There's probably a lot of our listeners that have actually been laid off, which is crazy. I'm okay for now, but yeah. it doesn't seem like that may entirely be the case. So uh, if you guys, if anybody of you guys are in that position, I certainly know how it goes. So hopefully this stuff, you know, can blow over uh, soon and everybody's lives can go back to somewhat uh, normal. But uh, other than that, I'd say I'm pretty good. I went to the coast over the weekend. Yeah. Um, went crabbing, right? I thought I was Theon out there, like, you know, <laughs> Pike. I'm on this. You know, at first I was like, is this going to be like deadliest catch, right? Are we, what are we talking? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I get yeah. there and it's nothing like deadliest catch. We're on a rinky dink little boat. Yeah. All right. You know, we got to throw our crab pots in. They sink to the bottom. You wait around, you come back, and then, you know, Still. we caught five crabs. We caught yeah, we caught five crab and we probably spent thirty dollars on chicken as bait. So it's like we should have just, you know, bought chicken and had wings. So right, I don't know, but it was fun. It was a cool experience. First time I've ever done it. Um, 
Would I go again? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe I guess when it's more in season, but then it's a lot colder and it's already cold on the coast. It's not like those, you know, Florida beaches down there or, or Southern California beaches. But yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. It was it was cool. I had, I had a good time. Well, here's my thing. I mean, how how deep was it, man? Like, how deep was that water? Uh, when, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of all over the place. Okay. Oh, you could drown. I mean, you could definitely that, drown. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm like the Dothraki man. I don't want to be anywhere near, you know, like the ocean. I just don't. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. I don't, yeah, know I don't like it. We don't know what's out there. No, I have no clue. I have we have not. no idea. So, yeah, that's so. I would say, you know, deadliest catch. I mean, it was to me. It would have felt the same. I would have been like, ah, screw this. This is too much. Well, uh, I mean, you know, so we're on this little. I mean, we're on this little boat. I mean, and I don't know how big it is, but uh, yeah. You know, we, there's other people out there. They get like the arm that goes down and like, you know, like picks, grabs the, grabs the thing and brings it back up. So I don't know, I don't know how, how much better they did, but so <laughs> yeah, really, they might have got one or two more, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's not really. It's towards, towards the end of the season, so but I don't even really like crab, so you know, oh yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not super, I'm not super big on it, but I did, I did feel very Theon, Theon Greyjoy, ish while I was out there. That's yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That sounds fun. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So again, yeah, lots going on. Um, I think, uh, gosh, I, I was telling Sir Matt that I have this uh, couple of different things I want to work on this week. Just little little YouTube content that we're trying to, to start up. And finally, uh, people may notice I'm in a little different um, different setup. I haven't quite got all my posters and you know my stuff up yet, but I'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so it's a little different here. Finally got upgraded. Uh, and, um, all the way kind of moved in. So feels good, I guess, just in time for the quarantine. So yeah, there's, there's that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. We're going to be doing hopefully more of these, uh, hangouts and, and, um, getting more YouTube content up there as well. So it's exciting, man. It's good. All right. Good. All right. Well, um, there's not a ton of news going on right now. Gur is also in quarantine. He said Mm -hmm. he's safe feeling good he's in quarantine doesn't mean it'll help him finish the book probably not right so that's where we're at on that front but there was a game of thrones kind of tie-in last night i don't know if you saw this uh on like twitter and stuff like that oh yeah um they there was uh drogon had kind of a cameo in westworld Mm-hmm. And I haven't really watched West Westworld, so I'm kind of unfamiliar with it. I think it's, to my knowledge, it's, uh, you know, they're, these characters live inside basically like TV or something, or, and then there's all these different worlds they can go to. I mean, I, I think you're you're more familiar with it, but that's from my kind of knowledge of it. Yeah, it's like it's like a virtual reality. I mean, they go in there um, instead of like putting something on and just it's like you're literally going into a different. Um, like a, like a created world, if you will. And and you want to go into, it starts in like this Western, this, this West world kind of thing, what Western mm-hmm. world. And, and so you can, you know, you got, um, AIs, you got all sorts of different things. So that, that, uh, that dragon that they had, it was almost like, it was almost like a nod that you, if you, if you really wanted to go to Westeros, you know, we're, we're preparing that we're making, you know, a way in which you could, you could go there and fully experience it. You know, you put on different garb, you put on different things. Everything feels real, and you get to go back and kind of experience uh, different um, periods of time in history or just a fantasy world. 
is the way I looked at it. So right. that was kind of cool. Kind of cool that they did they they had it, uh, him in there. So yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's most of the uh, Game of Thrones news ish uh, right now. So, um, uh, would we have something a little bit for the Maesters study today? As oh uh, yeah, we do. But uh, before we get to that, I thought we'd talk about just um, were the uh, Ice and Fire Con. I don't know if we got a chance to actually yeah. full full on mention this. Um, I don't think we're going to get to gets can is it canceled all the way or has it just been postponed? It's, I think um, they said it's been moved to October. Oh, it's been moved to October. Okay. Yeah, that was the last I remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, maybe I can pull it up here real quick. But, um, yeah, kind of a bummer because we were hoping to see some of you guys there. Uh, and it seems like, what was that? It was going to be just in February. It seems like we we're still going to be going through a lot of this um, quarantine and um, different things with the virus. So that, that could be a little crazy. Yeah, it's temporarily suspended. And uh, and it's been postponed. So, yeah, yeah so. that's a bummer. But just wanted to let you guys know in case you hadn't seen the news on that or you were planning on going and, and uh, mm-hmm. didn't know. You know, it's here in Ohio, man. They have really been um, things have been shut down for for a bit. So and things yeah, are getting so, canceled. I, mean, I am so. still planning on going back to the Ohio area in April, barring uh, my flight not getting canceled because a lot of flights are just getting canceled right now. Um, maybe we're going to have, maybe we'll have our own little ice and fire con as, as his new place. So not <laughs> yeah, saying yeah. that he's out, he's throwing a party, but basically saying he's throwing, he's throwing a, a party. Uh, yeah, he's party. Throwing, he's throwing yeah. a party. I mean, yeah. there can only be, you know, like four people there and we all have to sit six feet apart from each other. So very exclusive right. seats, right? <laughs> uh, very exclusive seats. Maybe we'll live stream it. Um, but Maybe yeah, with our with our hazmat suits on, so right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's well, definitely definitely something. So yeah, unfortunate that it's been canceled. Kind of the way everything's going right now. So um, I have, I'll have to look up the exact date and see you know how that how that works with my schedule. But as long as it's you know, I'll still try to make it to that if it if it gets moved. So yeah, yeah, I, I will too because I think uh, we. It was almost like you, I remember you texted me and you said, so it's the second year we've tried to go and it's not working out. So, you know, it's like, is it three strikes? You're out. Are they, are they trying to, I mean, well, we'll just, we'll just have to make our own con. Ben, the knee con is coming. I don't know where, I don't know when, but we'll, you know, we will, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. We'll start it at my place like a pre little, you know, and then we'll just grow it from there. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. All right. right. Well, so, yeah. uh, Should we move over to uh, Maester Study today? I think we're going to talk a little bit about the Summer Isles. Yeah. And really, I just want to bring this up. You've got two characters, uh, Shataya and Alayaya, who are in this uh, chapter. We come across them. And I thought, you know, uh, just for a point of reference, just to talk about this this place, uh, the Summer Isles, um, where are they and who are the people from there? Um, been trying to challenge ourselves to, to look at different regions, look at different places, um, different characters. So, you know, these are two characters that, uh, Alayaya actually ends up coming back and is, and is around and even her mother for, for a time. Um, things are different. You know, it's funny in this chapter, Tyrion kind of talks about how like, like, uh, that in their culture and in, in the summer isle cu- culture, um, being in the pillow house and giving pleasure is not necessarily frowned upon. And uh, matter of fact, it's it's maybe even a form of a uh, uh, worship. And Tyrion, you know, wants uh, wants somebody to tell the high the high septum that you know that's 
that this is a good thing, you know, and uh, maybe he'd be more interested in religion and stuff. So that's kind of cool, a little different, but it is just south of um, Westeros and Essos, and uh, there's a character there, and I, I just in looking all this up and, and stuff, I kind of stumbled across, um, I think it's Jalabar, I think is how you say it. I'm not exactly mm. sure. Um, I just know that this is the guy who's always kind of petitioning like Robert and later on Cersei to give him the means to go back, and he's like a prince, so they call him the Prince of the Red Flower Veil, and he wants to go back and take take back, um, you know, uh, his kingdom, if you will, uh, and, and go back there, but he needs resources and stuff, so he's in exile, and it's just kind of funny because he's always in the court, always petitioning, always trying to do this, but at the same time, it's sort of like, I don't know that it's um, as sincere of a petition as maybe uh, one would think. It's almost like he's petitioning. It's all sort of a front, and really, he's very happy just being in the court uh, there and being having the title of an exile prince. So that was someone who I thought was interesting from the Summer uh, Isles that is actually in the entire series uh, and has been there since before the series started. So just to keep an eye uh, on that individual and some of the alliances that could be made uh, with him, I think, is, is pretty cool. So, But yeah, that's really about it. I mean, there's uh, like... You could get into some of the history here in this. You know, Nymeria stops there when she's leaving the Rhoyne, um, and her people are there. They're not able to sustain themselves. They had a large group of people, and and the soil was not good enough for them to kind of uh, uh, grow crops and plants and things. And so, you know, then they, they obviously come over to Dorne. Some of the people were left there, and a lot of them were women. Um, and, and so that's, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of the history there, but it, it keeps popping up, and you're, you'll hear about the Summer Isles from time to time throughout the series, and uh, different characters who have come from there or whose mothers. Oftentimes, it's their mothers. I think it's um, Sorella Sand. I think they say her her mother is from the uh, Summer Isles, and there's someone else uh, as well that was an important character. But anyway, yeah. Um, just interesting. They also have their own kind of speech. They do speak the common tongue, but then they have sort of their own uh, language as well, which is pretty cool. So yeah, Tyrion comes across um, Aliaya in this chapter, and uh, you kind of uses her as a decoy so he can go see, you know, Shay, and he meets up with um, Varys. So yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm 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 reading a little bit here on the wiki. Uh, just some stuff. Uh, it says like gemstones are kind of what they 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 have a. a an abundance of and so that's kind of what they use to trade and things like that and so it is interesting when you think about it because i think we just uh you know, we're just so caught up in westeros um and westeros really is almost like its own you got three different territories there with the north well you could really almost i, I, I don't almost, i think when we think of westeros you th- i to me i kind of think about it in four segments um you know you've got the beyond the wall the north, the south, and then Dorne, because Dorne's always kind of in its own thing. And of course, you get the Iron Islands, and you can split it up even further. But um, and then you know, so to me, it's mostly Westeros and Essos. And I almost just forget about the Summer Isles a lot, but they're there, mm-hmm. and they're their own thing, and they're yeah, um, just this other culture that we kind of forget about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and they just this kind of pop up from time to time, and we do get a lot of trading going on with them. I mean, at one point, uh, Robert Baratheon is actually. He he actually likes the idea of invading the Summer Isles and and you know maybe um, having a partnership with uh, with this exiled prince and maybe getting some I don't know some of those gems or precious resources and things like that in this partnership to restore this exiled you know prince but yeah 
So yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat actually. And we'll, uh, as yeah. it comes up more, we'll pay attention to it. And now we'll really pay attention to that prince as well because uh, he'll he'll be in the court for a while and he'll he'll be someone who keeps kind of popping up. So mm-hmm. okay, all right. Well, on over to the reread. Uh, last week we were in Aria Four. That's where Aria and the others decided to spend the night in the holdfast of an abandoned town on the southern shores of the God's Eye. That night, Lannister raiders led by Sir Armory Lork arrive to demand that they open the gate. When Yorin refuses, a fight breaks out as the battle turns against them. Yorin orders Arya to get the survivors out through an escape tunnel in the burning barn. Before escaping, Arya throws an axe to the three criminals trapped in their wagon. This week we're in Tyrion 3. Last time we were with Tyrion, Tyrion had dined with Lord Janus Slint. They discussed the murder of King Robert's bastard daughter, uh, Eddard Stark's ex- execution, and candidates for the commander of the City Watch. Tyrion then has Slint taken into, cons- into custody to join the Night's Watch. Afterward, he discusses the same topics with Varys. This week, Tyrion 3. The small council discusses Stannis's declaration that Cersei's children are bastard-born of incest. Cersei wants the letter suppressed, but Tyrion and Littlefinger convince her they should treat the letters with contempt while spreading their own rumor that Stannis's daughter is illegitimate. Tyrion leaves the council to meet with the city's smiths to commission an immense chain, uh, an, an immense chain, then meets with Varys via a secret passage in a brothel. Uh, all right. Uh, I'll always read just a little bit of the beginning here. The queen was not disposed to wait on Varys. Treason is vile enough, she declared furiously, but this is barefaced naked villainy, and I do not need... Uh, the uh, menacing eunuch to tell me what must be done with villains. Tyrion took the letters from his sister's hand and compared them side by side. There were two copies, the words exactly alike, though they had been written by different hands. Uh, Maester uh, Fren- uh, Frenkin received the first mass- uh, massive missive at Castle Stokeworth, Grand Maester Pycelle explained. The second copy came through Lord Giles. Littlefinger fingered his beard. If Stannis bothered with them, it's past certainty every other lord in the Seven Kingdoms saw a copy as well. So, uh, yeah, these the, the letters that Stannis uh, had written, if you remember back um, to the Davos chapter where he's uh, it's almost comedic in a way. Right. Where the, his scribe is writing it and he's he's arguing about how it should be written. Right. He's like, well, you know, they're talking they're trying to make Jamie Lannister and all these guys sound. Um, yeah, yeah, they're trying to degrade him a little bit. Stannis like, well, he's still a knight. You still need to yeah. call him a knight. Yeah, yeah. Right. You still, still, yeah. you know this. You need, you need to call him this. Um, and then he says, you know, I never had any love for my brother. You know, so um, that's that's those letters that were being written that everyone is now seeing. Right. Yeah. And and it's it's crazy too. Like, uh, it's a, I mean, Cersei is um, her reaction to this. Right. Just tells you everything. And I think that's what's pretty neat in the way that Tyrion kind of um, notices uh, her her response. Her uh, lashing out here being so just, um, I don't know, it's it's overkill. It's almost like she's she's covering for something, right? She's trying to react like she's so disgusted because it's true. And it's just what when you when you read through the first time, it's it's pretty obvious. Uh, and especially once you get, you know, Tyrion kind of has those um, she's asking for, you know, what evidence does he have? And Tyrion kind of goes, well, you know, um, none. Right. Why would there be any? I mean, that didn't happen. Exactly. So there's no evidence to be had. And she's 
kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's so it is so interesting, the relationship, you, the big time relationship you have going on here with Cersei and Tyrion, and then also Littlefinger being part of the mix, and how the Game of Thrones is being played on so many different levels in the first part of this of this chapter. It's insane because you have Cersei. And Tyrion going at each other. Then you have Littlefinger vying for himself over there. And then you also have Tyrion knowing that he can't say anything about, you know, well, I know Cersei's kids are, um, you know, illegitimate because that would hurt him. It would damage him and his, you know, and the, and the Lannister name. So it's like Tyrion has to go along with Cersei's lie, but still also fight against her while not <laughs> giving yeah. any information to Littlefinger, but at the same time, you know, attacking Littlefinger. It's just, it's so, it's so. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. There's a lot going on, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's crazy. It's almost like, I mean, at this point, not, not that, yeah, that was a good point, that Tyrion is maybe even trying to protect the Lannister name by not really saying much to Tyrion, but also trying to show his sister that, Hey, you're sitting in a room with other people who are just as smart as us and be careful what you are, you know, conveying or letting slip or whatever, um, kind of more be on your game. So it just shows you that Tyrion really has, has the mind for this and is, uh, is a master at what he does. Um, Cersei, she is as well, but, but she's and she's cunning, but man, she can get emotional. And it's sort of like when it comes to her kids and them being in danger, uh, that's where she really uh, just just loses it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you get that you get that internal Tyrion dialogue, uh, you know, where she's talking about it. Cersei turned on him with green eyed fury. Are you um, are you utterly witless? Did you read what he says? The boy Joffrey he calls him, and he dares to accuse me of incest, adultery, and treason. And then Tyrion's in his mind only because you're guilty. Right, right. <laughs> because Tyrion knows yeah. well because because it's true. I mean, he's 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 got a point, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ah, oh, Cersei, come on, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He I knows know. he knows that something's. I mean, he's known since they were kids, and it's it's like it's be suspected, whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah. What's yeah. interesting later on, it, it, the book is brought up actually. You know, like like mm -hmm. like it's by Varys and stuff, which is which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, and so yeah, and so then their plan, uh, which actually is eh, it's somewhat of a decent plan, I guess, uh, in the grand scheme of things, not so much, but in the in the short term, I think it is just because, um, you know, the small folk are going to talk and they're going to say, well, I heard this and I heard this, and then it spirals out of control and you know gets kind of washed away, um, is to, and Littlefinger suggests this is to do the same thing, right? To to have the same sort of of letter written the same, uh, you know, uh, rumors spread about uh, Stannis's daughter possibly being illegitimate because mm -hmm. Stannis's wife and Stannis don't really have a great relationship. So it just kind of makes sense to say, well, you know, Stannis didn't sleep with his wife because who wants to? Right. Yeah. And and actually what's interesting about that whole situation is remember a couple of weeks back we were talking about Melisandre and when did she show up and... There's like one, literally one sentence in this um, mm -hmm. in this chapter that addresses that, and it actually talks about the fact that she's been keeping company with a red priestess for a while, and and it actually makes you, I think you mix that in there. She's she's um, she's mixed up in this uh, 
uh, with R'hllor, this Red Priestess, seems a little, you know, weird, I, I would say, to the rest of uh, Westeros. And so that's also why Tyrion points out, you know, this was done in the uh, Light of the Lord or whatever. Um, so, yeah, he, yeah, I think, he, I think he, when... He, yeah. Yeah, he comments that that line is is something that's said in Essos quite a bit. The right, free cities, yes. that line is is yeah, right. And and so makes you think. Just to your point, you know, when when um, Littlefinger brings this up, well, they're not, um, gosh, they're not known for their for their love. They're not known for having a real good romantic relationship. And his wife is mixed in with this priestess and stuff so it's probably going to work i mean it's going to be something that you know even Tyrion kind of says yeah it's like um you know little fingers on to something there i think this is maybe a good idea to plant this seed of of doubt here that uh she hasn't been faithful uh and that maybe even uh patchface was involved which is crazy <laughs> well i think patchface is involved because you and i both think patchface is involved in just about anything and everything uh-huh. that's right that's right so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think it was? I mean, do you think it was a good plan? I, it, it doesn't really seem to do a whole lot in the grand in the grand scheme of things. No, I think it's just uh, like like the idea. I mean, if anything, too, it, it, what they're trying to do is, I think, divert Cersei's attention from all of this, get her to calm down, because the more she focuses on it, dwells on it, tries to stamp it out the more those flames are just going to kind of keep you know uh, rising and, and spreading and stuff. So. To do that, you give her this task of like, yeah, let's let's spread this other false rumor and let's let's um, you know go blow for blow here, uh, really. But then also not, we're not going to cut people's tongues out for this kind of stuff. I mean, we're we're not gonna you know go go crazy like that because really, then you're saying you fear what they have to say, and that's that's um, interesting. So yeah, 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 and so so do you think? Um, do you think this is more of a win in the, in the Game of Thrones for Tyrion or for Littlefinger? Hmm. Well, uh, probably probably Littlefinger right now. Yeah. I mean, you think about the, yeah. like the long game, but like what he did here was he scored a few points with Cersei, and that's really what yeah. matters, and that sort of helps push him along in the right direction, the direction he wants to go. It's it's weird because um, Tyrion as as much as he's saying and doing the right thing, that's sort of his arc is it doesn't matter how smart or how well he manages the kingdom or, or what he does uh, in the in the name of the Lannisters or what have you. The only person who cares is Jamie, really. And the only person who seems to really have his back is, is him. So I just it's one of the reasons why we hate Cersei. I mean, like, because Tyrion's trying to do what's right and and she literally openly just, you know, mocks him, calls him names in front of other how people and stuff you know it's just it's wild she's it, it's it's crazy i mean Tyrion actually even later on in this chapter when they meet with iron belly and you realize that you know she's i think she says something to the effect of like she's going to cut their hands off or she's going to um you know do something to them if they don't make enough uh chain mail and different armor and stuff like that so and it's like and Tyrion has the thought sort of like wow you know, there's my sweet sister again you know uh, gathering more friends for us and, and, and just doing re- really undoing um, and staining the, the Lannister name. People don't want to work for you that they're, they're working out of fear. Um, I don't know. Same thing that's going on with, with, with Joffrey. And I think Tywin knows that's not a good thing. Uh, and he does send Tyrion to straighten it all out, but it's not really, that doesn't make, even if he does straighten it out, 
I just feel like Tyrion can't win. I mean, he can win at the Game of Thrones, air quote win, but really where he wants to win is with his family. Um, and, and having the backing of his family is what helps him, you know, get the respect that he deserves from, from various people. And, and it's just, I don't know. So Littlefinger, I give him a win here in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like this. We're t- we're just this line here where Tyrion says, the story should not come from us. Or it will be self-serving, you know. And then, and then he, then right after that, once more, Littlefinger supplied the answer. And so you can just tell Tyrion is just super annoyed with with Littlefinger here. Um, and you know, it, it's kind of interesting because you know I think we think of of Littlefinger versus Varys a lot, um, but we don't really get a lot of Littlefinger versus Tyrion and who is the smarter kind of one uh, amongst them but he's i would you really could almost lump him in that same group of the of the people who yeah. aren't warriors who are playing the game of thrones who aren't really in a full seat of power like being a king or something like that i mean he has hand of the king for a little bit yeah. um, but certainly not like cersei who's in a seat of authority for the you know the entire mm-hmm. the the entire story so far yeah and it's also you know m- m- uh, gosh uh well it's really it's really the war of the small council i mean like you have those members always, and actually I think it's in the next Tyrion chapter where he starts to really uh, shine and sort of figure out who is on my side, who was with my sister, who is um, working for their own ambitions, that type of thing, who's working for the greater good of the realm. Um, and that's where he'll kind of show off some of his skills in the Game of Thrones, and I think he, he, gets, he gets several wins. I mean... Uh, and we start to really like him and, and see value in what Tyrion has to offer to the story. But, but yeah, right now, Littlefinger's taking it away. And it's just, it, actually, this chapter, really, he starts to, ele- I mean, Littlefinger elevates himself as sort of an adversary, someone he needs to keep an eye on and check on and, and figure, figure this out. Because Tyrion's known all of this, but now he's in it. He is now here at the court, and he has a role to play. Um, so this is where, this is where it, um, yeah, where he has to bring in all of his skill set and, Represent his family. Yeah. Yeah. So after um, so after that kind of conversation is uh, is over, um, you know, this is when, uh, you know, Tyrion's about to take his leave. Cersei asks him why. He says he's having a gift made for Joffrey, which is, uh, you know, a chain. Um, you know, then Cersei says that Joffrey has a lot of chain, but, you know, this cannot, you know, Tyrion, you can't buy his love, right? Uh, Tyrion implies that, you know, one day Joffrey may treasure this chain above all others. Uh, and so then he's so as he's getting ready to leave is when he runs into Bronn, right? Uh, and it's just kind of funny because Bronn's first line is "fuck you, dwarf." Like I mean, right. just like a very, a very, a very Bronn, you know, uh, thing to say here. Yeah, yeah, and really uh, back to Joffrey just for a second. I mean, again, Tyrion's so witty. He's like, "Why, why would I?" You know, I know basically says, "I know I have the king's love." That's not something you know that's up for debate and again in front of other people and this is it is the small council but just sort of a reminder that yeah we're on the same side uh and even if we aren't and even if i know that joffrey hates me and whatever and i'm you know you still need to present that to the people you know it's something that tywin has really taught him that no one messes with a lannister we're not doing that we can Mm -hmm. have our own sort of interquarrel um or you know what have you but but like when he, so he's kind of saying, yeah, I don't, don't, I'm not trying to buy Joffrey's love. I, I know that I already have that. I'm his uncle, et cetera, you know, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's just, um, this shows, it just yeah. goes to show, you know, how smart he is and, and everything. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of the interesting thing about this chapter is it, uh, you get to see Tyrion's relationship with a lot of people across different, uh, 
spectrums, right? So you have him versus him and Cersei, who's his sister, and then you have him and Littlefinger, and then immediately you 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 get a little bit of you know him and Joffrey with just with him talking about him, and then you immediately go outside and um, you know Bronn's standing there. The Smiths are in your audience chamber, waiting you know your pleasure, waiting my pleasure. I like the ring of that uh, Bronn. You almost sound a proper you know courtier. Um, courier. Uh, ne- uh, next, you'll be kneeling. Fuck you, dwarf. That's Shay's task, Tyrion. You know what I mean? And so you immediately go from, mm-hmm. you know, this very high level Game of Thrones to just joking around with your buddies. Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. great. And that's, that's, that's it, sort of why. And, that's, I th- yeah. and I think, yeah, and that's one of the reasons I think people really like Tyrion as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, he can. Well, and and he already showed us too, just the way uh, his compassion for Bran, his his uh, compassion for Jon Snow, going to see the wall when no one else would, and they laugh and they scoff at it. But he wants to he wants to go see it, and there's something there, there's a little tiny like in in everything that Tyrion says when like, all of his chapters, there's something of this boyish you know, nature in him that like, he read these stories as a kid uh, that were high fantasy or that were you know, h- historical accounts or whatever, these legends and prophecies, and he's very much into them and wants to go see see these places when he has the opportunity. And, and he knows a lot about them. And I don't know, you just see a lot like Bran. I mean, he's not able to be a knight. He's not able to be this great warrior, uh, but he's read about them and in his own way daydreams about you know maybe riding a dragon and he has all these dragon dreams and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah there's something really appealing uh to, to him and then yeah like you said uh, also being very blunt about uh you know um <laughs> he and shay and braun and everything it's just yeah it's great yeah yeah okay so um uh after that uh is when he okay so he's with braun uh then he goes back to his tower of the hand and this is where we get a little bit about podrick Payne, right his you know his squire and they talk about how he's kind of like a timid he's timid he doesn't really talk a lot um and uh and and i like pod and i, I think it i think pod's character development you know especially when we first kind of meet him and you know he's he's shy he's quiet and you know by the end he's sleeping with whores and oh yeah you know and they're and they're not charging him money and all this stuff and you know he goes and he fights with brianne pod's great yeah oh he's he's awesome yeah and it's pretty neat um uh, gosh again in, in reading through this book and reading through through theon chapters and now i'm on the brand chapters like well let me think here yeah so theon has you know his squire and then you know Tyrion's got his squire here and there's there's a few of them who uh, like the just i don't know the, like that idea of having a squire and, and seeing how they're humble and then how they come to these uh, positions of, of importance is really cool. And so to see Podrick Payne sort of, you know, um, elevate throughout all of this is, is awesome. And he kind of thinks that Tywin gave him, um, you know, Pod because he, as, as a joke, really. Right. Um, but I actually thought when I was reading this, I kind of thought, you know what, maybe, but also maybe he knows that, um, you know, I mean, House Payne is, again, close to the Lannisters. And, and have been, so I want to do something for this boy, but I don't want to give him to someone who's going to mistreat him. And so I think maybe, in, in an odd way, Tywin wanted Podrick Payne to go to Tyrion because he know Tyrion's going to do right by him. And he plus needs, you know, he needed a um, a servant. And so, yeah, I think it works out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so this is, uh, so after he goes back to, um, you know, his hand, this is when he starts to address the uh, the metal workers. 
right? And telling them, yeah. telling them, this is kind of interesting, really. I kind of forgot about this whole thing, the chain. Yeah. Cause yeah, the chain, like, eh, yeah. You know, the chain, you know, and how he wants it to be, um, you know, he orders every forge and every metal worker in the city to put, uh, you know, to work making and joining more and more links. Mm-hmm. Right. And he puts Goodman Iron Belly, uh, you know, in charge of seeing it done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he basically says uh, I mean, it's sort of a uh, yeah, he pulls some. I mean, all, it takes all the weight of the, the, you know, the power of the hand of the king to say your whatever you were working on is done. We're done doing that. I need everyone. Um, whether you were, if you can work metal, you're going to work on this. So a lot of them were a little bit been out of shape because they worked on gold and silver and, and different things. And he's, doesn't matter. You know, he needs iron. He needs this chain built. And, um, it was a task that a lot of them thought was beneath, uh, you know, their, their, whatever their, their, their skill set or their, their position or whatever. And, uh, he kind of says, look, if you don't build a chain or if you don't work on the chain, then you're going to be in chains. And so he's, he's pretty, pretty darn serious about it, which is, which is cool. Um, so yeah, and he and he realizes that um, Cersei has also been thinking about this and has been trying to prep in some way because she is asking that they all make armor and chainmail and different things like that. But Tyrion's just on another level, thinking about you know ways to actually win and actually, it's almost like he predicts this battle to happen by like like in um, Blackwater. Like he actually kind of predicts that they're going to use their fleet and their ships, and he, it's it's odd um, that he that's sort of the, the the defense that he sets up for the city. So because he knew where his father was, and he knew uh, where help could come from, and and how they could last a siege. But then you know he also just lays this trap. It's it's great. So yeah 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 yeah, and it's um you know, the beginning of is setting the stage right and that's because that is the the big event i'd say of of this book is the battle of blackwater i mean that's by far you know the last book is probably ned stark getting beheaded um this book i'd say the battle of the blackwater is the big big event uh that changes everything really i mean if you if you Mm want to talk about where we go after the battle of blackwater uh i mean uh stan i mean you know all all the stuff that happens later but the we're getting it now in chapter 15 the 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 setting the stages for the big huge battle that's going to be coming towards the end yeah i mean Tyrion's analyzing uh in this chapter he thinks about he basically thinks that well stannis has proclaimed himself king and renly has as well and he's like that's not going to sit well with renly and so he kind of almost can predict that there's going to be some conflict there before they move together so that's gives him some hope and maybe slows this down, but he's going into production on this, uh, this chain, uh, that they'll use, you know, in Blackwater Bay. Um, so yeah. And then even the next chapter, we're going to see when we get to Tyrion again, him working on or seeing what it is that his sister, what schemes she's been up to and what is it that she's using and, and actually taking something that she started and that was started long ago and, and, and molding it to fit sort of his purpose, which is great. So, Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, after we have all the, that kind of discussion, right? The 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 Smith, uh, the Smith. You know, as you said, there's the the um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Celeron, Sal- Saleron, Saleron, who's yeah. the one who kind of, who, he's the one who complains that you know this is for common Smiths, and you know he offers to make Syrian a big 
you know, a suit of armor, interior spies, you know, yeah, you can make make chains or be in chains. Right. Um, and right. so then, uh, okay, so then after that is when uh, we go outside uh, and Braun is there, you know, and they're going to, um, he's got the black ears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that uh, he and uh, he, he and Tyrion are going to go do a, um, you know, travel. Uh, Tyrion muses that he has uh, set hundreds of carpenters to building uh, finishing uh, boats instead of catapults, uh, opening the Kingswood to hunters, and even sent gold cloaks forging to deal with hunger in the city. But people are still giving him accusing looks. He also reflects that Cersei missed the importance of Stannis declaring himself king, and wonders what Renly would make, uh, you know, will make of it. So again, yeah, so we're getting ready to do some more, some more planning, man. I mean, getting ready for this huge battle. Uh, and I think it's I think it's smart because, you know, we don't he doesn't at all know about the wildfire yet. So, you you know, we are, that's what we think of when we think of the Battle of Blackwater Bay is Tyrion's you know, genius uh, ploy, you know, in setting off that essentially bombs. But um, I mean, at this point, he's thinking, I think maybe maybe his mindset is we can either beat him out there or we can make it hard. And then, you know, he just won't be able to actually siege the castle because it's just really difficult to do so mm-hmm. yeah right yep yeah so he's laying his he's laying his plans and, and like i said he's thinking about all the different um well the chaos really of of all these different kings sort of emerging and, and stuff and it's just it's it's wild um he's just he's just in the beginning stages of pondering what stannis and, and renly may do to one another and boy wouldn't it be bad if they you know came together but you know they that, don't i don't think they'd yeah yeah and it, i don't it, think it's crazy a, i don't think that, they'd have a chance they, no they wouldn't um and that's the thing is they should have had that conversation like that should have been their focus instead of the the whole you know the incest and joffrey not being legitimate it's like wait a second stannis declared himself king that is really what we should have been talking about and what is that going to cause renly to do and and how is that going to change this battle um what are the strengths of stannis and the strengths of renly uh yeah so again that land you know that massive army versus a a great fleet would have been would have been you know almost unstoppable yeah because you know you think about later when he informs her that renly is dead killed by stannis that's you know she's she like hugs that's when she picks Tyrion up right you know she picks Mm -hmm. him up and she like spins you know spins it spins him around because she's just so elated at that moment uh she just didn't have the foresight to maybe think yeah. about that maybe it's just right. because she's just so worried about you know jamie's captured her dad is off fighting a uh, you know a losing war um and joffrey's here as king and starting to show signs of maybe being a little crazy yeah uh so, so she's had a lot and, on her plate I, yeah and sometimes i think you know us having seen the show and us having you know knowing where cersei gets to um well really not even quite yet in in the series but uh almost there she her character develops a lot and so and during this time of pressure she's better during a time of peace when she's really just using her ladies and the people at the court to manipulate and move different pieces on the board um and to whether it's using poison or or um you know different uh things like that or i but when it comes to this major pressure of like war and big moving pieces she sort of crumbles a little bit under the pressure Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. although she's trying to very much so making good efforts and trying to set things up 
Um, I almost wonder if Tywin knew that and, and knows his children very well and understands that that city needs made ready. And I don't know that Cersei is doing the best job. Um, had Jamie been there, been a different thing, but he's not. There's a boy king. I mean, even Robert Baratheon would have would have made the city. You know, again, we wouldn't be in this whole situation if Robert was alive. But you know, just depending on who is there, I think uh, it's important to kind of consider who's in leadership and who would be making these decisions. So that's why Tyrion is sent to make the city ready. But well, that's a really good point, actually. What what you said about Cersei's character and her not really doing well in pressured situations. I mean, when she is acting almost essentially on her own, right? I mean, what are the things that happen in the books? Um, you know, you, you know, she really is on her own after uh, Tyrion leaves, right? Tyrion kills Tywin, um, and that's when we start to get some of those Cersei chapters. Which again, I really like those Cersei chapters, getting some of her insight as to you know who, she, why she really is the person she is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when it talks about how. You know, she's supposed to marry Rhaegar and her life's supposed to go this certain way and it doesn't. And then she gets Robert Baratheon, who says a different woman's name on her wedding night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, there's there's that. Um, and then, you know, she talks about how just her relationship with Robert in general and how he'd basically just, you know, do what yeah. he wanted. Um, but, you know, when you when you. So when you get to, when you start getting those chapters and then she's on her own, you know her first big blunder is the faith does not go very well, mm-hmm. right? I mean, doesn't yeah. just just and in the books the faith stuff is still going on, um, yeah. you know. And then so then if you want to look, start looking at the show and you look at some of the things that I think will happen, I do think that she's going to blow up the Sept of Baylor. I think that's I think that's pretty likely to happen in the books. Yeah. Um, but then I, you know, then it's a little bit harder to say, you know, in the in the, uh, you know, in the show, you look at the way it kind of ends where I think her decision. Well, it's kind of hard to say, really, uh, her decision to not help fight the uh, the others. Uh, mm-hmm. Good yeah. idea. Bad idea. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't know. But it, it, clearly her defense strategy against Daenerys does not work at all and i think mm-hmm. a lot of people had issues with that because they view cersei as this character who is so smart and so good at the game of thrones and she's just you know tossed to the side basically yeah well and, and one of the things you can look at you look to this chapter and see her defense of the of the city you know here and what was she struggling with what was she not getting right and who did she need to sort of adjust her plans it's like yeah they're good but they're not iron you know, tight and, and, uh, Tyrion makes them that way. So yeah, she's, she's missing something when she doesn't have her family around her. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as good. You know, this, this lone lioness is not as good as a lone wolf. And actually really our Starks would even say that the pack needs to stay together. Right. Uh, so there's lessons to be learned there. And I think you're right. Maybe later on when she is, uh, and just, it's just up to her and, and making these big battle preparations. I don't know. Uh, wasn't yeah, I mean, just on the show we don't really know I'd love to see in the right book what, right yeah I mean I like. think that's why you know and I think the way they do it in the show is so powerful right where Cersei's about to give Tommen um uh god what's the the drug the um, essence of nightshade right right because mm-hmm. she talks about like you know she doesn't want him to be hurt so she's literally about to kill her son which is uh, crazy <sighs> 
Can I? I mean, she's well, we'll literally about to do it. I know. She's literally, yeah, she's literally about to do it until the door gets, you know, kicked in. Right. Well, we'll get there. Go ahead. A whole... get, get, go ahead. Well, no, no ahead. I mean, my thing, like, like, why, like, again, I don't know. I think she's just so obsessed with protecting her children. If she can't, then no one can. She doesn't want them to go through anything without her being by their side. And that is, again, her thing. That's one of the weaknesses that she has, because really think about it. I mean, they're probably going to, oftentimes these children were used as hostages or they were kept in, in a way, you know, like, I, I don't know. I think it would have gone different than she was thinking there in the show and stuff. So, yeah. 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 And I, I mean, know. and she basically, and she basically lets Tyrion without really any sort of fight, send Marcella off the door. Right. I mean, I think she probably could have come up with a better strategy. It seems like Cersei is best when she's getting revenge. Right. Or <laughs> as you said, you know, it's it's yeah. in almost a period of peace. And then her revenge is like real serious. I mean, right. Real right. serious. Real, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like ruthless, completely ruthless, like. You know, uh, just from the show, right? You know, because you just are able to see some of that stuff later. Um, what she does to, um, not Sorella Sand, but uh, God, um, the Vipers, uh, you know. Oh, the mistress. Sand Snakes? The... Yeah, the, the Sand Snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know, poisoning her daughter and forcing her to yeah. watch it and then blowing right. up the Sept of Baylor and all that was crazy. All, you know, yeah. What she does to what she does, to, um, the Septon, right? You know, the, the, yeah. the shaming her <laughs> with the mountain. Oh, geez. I mean, jeez, <laughs> jeez, Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that is, you know, where she, I think she is, you know, yeah, as you said, kind of at her best. So, yeah. It, great point. It, it, great well, point on that. And, and just one more thing on Cersei. Like, you think back, her life could have been so much different. I mean, her being in love with Rhaegar or like liking the idea that maybe she could be betrothed to him and stuff was that's that's crazy like to just to think too that she would she would maybe would even even someone besides Robert Baratheon just just anyone I mean and even if it is Robert Baratheon like had he have had he have loved her the way that he was supposed to or whatever I mean it could just be totally different um because she and Jamie were ready to grow up. They were at this point where they were ready both to kind of go their own directions and fulfill, do it, do their Lannister duties and, and their deeds and stuff. So, but it just goes ah, such a different direction for them. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it does. And I mean, so much of it just goes back to Tywin. I mean, that's all of his kids are the way they are because of, you know, Tywin, yeah. Tywin Lannister. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is it is interesting. I mean, to think about what her life would have been like had she married, um, had she married Rhaegar Targaryen. Have you seen? Have you ever seen the memes of? Uh, there's like a meme that says, you know, if Tywin had survived, right, season four, um, huh. and and it show it's like, uh, you know, Cersei, you will marry the Night King, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just, like <laughs> just like all of his plans to to do that kind oh, of stuff. That's funny. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, okay. So back, you know, back, back to the chapter here. Um, so, you know, so, so as they're, 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 they're walking out, right. Um, and they're headed to a brothel, right. And this is where we meet, um, uh, Shataya, right. And Ali, 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say that, say that three times fast. Yeah. Really? Right. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> 
you know, Satyrian kind of asked to meet them. This is where we, they're from the Summer Isles, where we did our, our maester study, um, you know, and we're and in the Summer Isles. Being a whore is considered an honor and pleasing to the gods. So I'm sure Tyrion's all about, you know, Tyrion wonders what the gods have to do with it. Um, and just that it would be much more religious if he if he could, you know, pray with his his. Men oh, right with this. So, yeah. 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 So, um, OK, so. Yep. They lead Tyrion upstairs. Aliyah just uh, directs him into a wardrobe where he finds a secret panel. And beyond that, a hidden shaft down to an underground tunnel where he meets Varys. You know, Varys is always just waiting down in these weird, you know, secret compartments, secret tunnels. Um, you know, then Tyrion asks him, you know, can uh, uh, Shataya, can she be trusted? And Varys explains that uh, she has no love for the queen and is grateful to be rid of Alar Deem. Remember back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Tyrion, get rid of him. Uh, and Tyrion asks how the brothel came to have a secret entrance. And Varys explains that the tunnel was dug for another hand who would not enter the house openly. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, then they uh, um, they enter and they go go into a stable. Varys helps disguise Tyrion as a child, and uh, they saddle a horse to ride to Shay's manse. Tyrion tells him that Stannis has accused Jaime and Cersei of incest, and asks how he came by that suspicion. Varys responds that perhaps someone whispered it to him, or else he could have. Uh, you know, he simply. Uh, looked at the colored of a bastard hair as John Aaron and Eddard Stark did, which again, you know, n- nobody seems to get. Nobody need- seems to, uh, you know, put two and two together. It, at this point, it's almost like Superman, right? You know, when you look at Superman, oh, yeah. he's got his gla- he's got his glasses on. He's Clark Kent. He's ah oh, Superman, uh, you know, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. So this is where I said, like, and they kind of bring up the, um, like, like, did he have a certain? I think they say in the chapter, you know, that he had maybe access to a certain book uh, and looked at hair colors and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so Varys is tipping, you know, tipping him off that sort of, yeah, this is out there actually, and we know about it, and we're clever enough to figure it out, and so maybe, yeah, and and we, and we know the reader too that that Stannis was a part of all of that and and was going around with John Aaron, and mysteriously was not around. Uh, so. You know, there's that whole thing. It never really gets talked too much about, but like much more after this. That's really kind of this is really yeah. kind of the end of it. Yeah, and it's it's you know, John Aaron dies and sort of like, well then Stannis just sort of knows did Stannis know that like he was in jeopardy of of possibly you know, like like cause you don't really know. It is not really sure exactly what happened to John Aaron and what the motive was. Was it, you know, truly just directed, you know, like is is it Cersei directing Littlefinger? Is it Littlefinger? Who who who's actually behind this, and what are the motives? So if you're Stannis, you're sitting there going kind of like, Ugh. all right, well we stumbled across something, and uh, not really sure what to do because he was around for that, uh, but it maybe right. wasn't as as in on it as as John Aaron was, or as deep as John Aaron was. But still, does, when does Stannis go to Dragonstone? Does he go to Dragonstone before John Aaron dies or after? Uh, I don't know. Let's look. It's again. It's before the series starts, because um, you know, you know, Robert Baratheon after John Aaron dies right. comes north, rides north, um, and that probably takes it. Probably takes him like a couple months to do so. Yeah, and it's like I think Stannis too was. Uh, let me see here. He often. Let's look. Uh, Robert's Rebellion, Lord of Dragonstone. Hmm. Okay. During their investigations, John Aaron had agreed with Stannis that. His young son, Robert Aaron, would be fostered with Stannis on Dragonstone. However, this did not come to pass as John's wife, Lysa, 
fled back to the Vale with her son after John's death, right? So um, there's that. It's not really telling us though whether he whether he was there. You know, when did he when did he go? Um, yeah, is that really not? Be, yeah, because regardless, so he goes back to Dragonstone. He goes back to Dragonstone after John Aaron dies, and I guess what is his what is his plan? Does he know Cersei's going to kill Robert and doesn't do anything about it? Does he? He certainly doesn't come forward with it. All it said, you know, really, in, in the in the first book, it talks about how that he was massing his fleet, and so he yeah. is again the the, the, ma- the master of ships uh, and doing what he's supposed to be doing there. So what, like that was within his capacity and in his role to be doing that. So it doesn't look too suspicious, but it's hinted at that like he's going back to get to to gather his strength and decide what to do next. Um, you know, he believes that Cersei is the one who poisoned John. Um, Lord Eddard Stark wonders why Stannis left, believing it was due to the discovery of whatever secret John was allegedly murdered for. Um, although not realizing right, that Stannis was also, yeah, yeah. maybe because maybe he just thinks going to Robert, Robert won't believe him. Yeah, the other thing too that they mention is that uh, instead of Stannis becoming his hand of the king, um, he picks Eddard Stark, and that is sort of a slight. And so it's almost two blows to Stannis, and he decides he's going to Dragonstone, and is just sort of to do his own you know, thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically yeah. Because I mean, because I certainly don't think that Stannis would attack if Robert's still alive. No, I think he's just trying to decide what to do. When does he what come back do? in with this information? Yeah, because um, he was there, a part of those. He was a part of those those investigations. Um, Eddard Stark does request that he come back politely kind of wanting him to come back to the council and really it's also when he is investigating some of this and he's talking he's going retracing John Aaron's steps and learning you know okay so may need may need Stannis to come back and fill me in uh, and interesting that Varys knew this the whole time you know yeah. and uh, we, yeah. we hear that in the first book we hear it here again it's just right now that's sort of w- the way Varys wants it he wants this chaos he wants things to be uh, tumultuous and stuff here in King's Landing because he has his own plans. So yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, basically that's when um, that's mostly it for the chapter. Uh, except mm-hmm. just they, they talk a little bit more. Tyrion wonders where he's getting the information. You know, he kind of says, you know, you put two and two together. Um, he asks him if it is, uh, you know, Tyrion declares Varys that he is either his best friend or his worst enemy. And uh, Varys says, you know, I feel the same way about you, which is good. The Varys-Tyrion relationship is one that um, I'm glad that, you know, hopefully I think we're going to see that again if the show tells us anything. Uh, just because I think they they go very well. They go very well together. So, um, yeah. all right. Well, we do have a Raven. Um, this is actually sent to our website. You guys can uh, bend the knee podcast, uh, dot com. You can send us messages there as well as btkcast at gmail.com. Um, so this is from Sir uh, Andre of the Marches. Does Eamon know of the Tower of Joy and has he puzzled out that John is his great nephew? Eamon was in contact with Rhaegar, and so he probably knew of the love affair and the baby-to-be. And if Rhaegar was aware of what happened in the Tower of Joy, he might have told Eamon that Eddard killed his own sister and their baby. But as soon as Eddard came back north with a bastard, Eamon couldn't, or could have pieced it together that they were related. I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. Okay. So let me think here. So... 
Eamon's in contact with Rhaegar. Okay. How, how much? I mean, let me. I'm trying to pull up here. Like, how much is 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 he in in contact with? I mean, that's the thing, too, that you kind of wonder about. Like, like is he keeping in touch? I mean, we've all speculated that he's keeping they in touch been, with Blood right. Blood Raven for a while, um, and that Blood Raven's keeping tabs on Rhaegar. And so you could even go that route if it's not directly with with Rhaegar. Um, yeah. Then then so, because like does it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's 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 likely that he that he does know um, some of it. I don't know that he he's very perceptive, though. You know, Maester Eamon is very perceptive. Um, it's a lot, though, to to kind of take in. You know, that he might have told Eamon that Eddard um, that Eddard killed his own sister and their baby. But as soon as Eddard came back uh, north of the bastard, Eamon could have pieced it together that they were related. So what does he mean there? So he might have told Eamon that Eddard killed his own sister and their baby. Hmm. That line. What do you think? He might have told Eamon that Eddard killed his own sister and their baby. Yeah, that is. I'm not entirely sure what he means by that. Like, like what I'm taking that as, as in like he might have told Eamon that Eddard killed Lyanna Stark and their child like is that something like like that maybe that Rhaegar was aware of what happened in the Tower of Joy he might have told Eamon that Eddard killed his own sister and their baby oh like maybe he didn't even want Maester Eamon to know oh I think that's what he's saying he's saying so maybe Mm-hmm. Rhaegar knew what Rhaegar, you know, had foresight to know that Eddard would go to the Tower of Joy, and so. Okay, so I think I to me the way this is how I'm kind of reading this. Aemon is in contact of Rhaegar and knows of the love affair to be, but Rhaegar, knowing having some sort of mystical, you know, we all do kind of assume that Rhaegar has some kind of like mystical foresight about the Tower of Joy, which is totally possible. It doesn't mean it's mm-hmm. happened, but okay. it is totally possible. And you and I, I, we say that a lot. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people think that he kind of has some idea what, what's going on at the Tower of Joy. Um, yeah, I mean, he obviously knows well, uh, yeah, he's pregnant. So um, I don't know if he knows or has any idea that she might die. But um, so maybe he just so okay. So maybe he says that to Aemon in a way to sort of protect John. Um, and so. You know, but Eamon, you know, in, in knowing in, in knowing the goings on of the realm and hearing stories and stuff can piece it together that, oh, that bastard is, you know, he doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't know his name is Jon Snow or whatever, but is actually a Targaryen, is Rhaegar's son. Yes, yeah, see, it's interesting because I think. You know, maybe it's sort of uh, you think of Melisandre and her misinterpretations of the flames. Maybe Rhaegar did have some foresight. Um, it's why he has his Kingsguard there, and he maybe he does sort of foresee a a death. Um, and he thinks it's because of his because of her brother. You know, and and re- once he realizes that they've had a child, mm. you know, maybe there's some misinterpretation there and that's passed on to Aemon. That could be because I kind of think it would almost be the opposite that he would let um, that Rhaegar would let Aemon know that the child that was born there, like if Rhaegar is able to perceive or see that a child would come from the Tower of Joy and that would be his child, that he would almost want to pass it on to Aemon, 
you know. Right. But now the other piece here is, as I said, is Eamon is very perceptive, and I think he then could, uh, you know, I think he could maybe piece it together and kind of figure it out or or kind of wonder that Eddard Stark came back with a child that wasn't his. He's an honorable man. He would never do something like this. Um, he hears all of the rumors. Maybe he has some knowledge of the Targaryens and how their traits are passed down and, and how when they mix their blood with uh, those like the, you know, the whether it's a Baratheon, uh, Baratheons are a little, Anything. Even, you know, there's, there's some, yeah, some connection there. Like but with the North, maybe he realizes that, um, that the Northern traits would, would win out or something. So, um, right. yeah, especially, well, they, they talk about how the bloodlines, the, the Targaryen bloodlines had been running weak, right? You know, mm-hmm. because it's so much incest, so it's possible, you know, a, a pretty much anybody else is going to, their bloodline's going to, yeah, kind of kind of take over. So that's that's definitely, that's definitely something. And then, you know, Aemon could maybe just see him and be like, you know, I know the traits of Targaryen since I grew up at a time when there were a lot of them. And I see a lot of that in Jon Snow. And then maybe it's also not, um, you know, maybe he doesn't put it together until Jon comes to the Night's Watch. Right. And he learns, oh, you're Eddard Stark's bastard son, you know, and maybe it's then that he could realize it when that's why he has that conversation with him about telling him who he is. Maybe, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's not I think sometimes we think maybe Eamon knew like the the entire time. Right. Um, but it's possible he maybe he he kind of came a, came up with that discovery once John was there. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, right. Maybe. I mean, Benjen's. I mean, Benjen's there too, and so I'm sure he and Benjen have talked at, at some point. You know, just talked about you know their whatever life or family or you know whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's the thing. You know, uh, we know that Eamon, and this is again something on the wiki as well. And he, he was talking to John, whether it was uh, it was earlier um, this book or at the end of last book, where he's talking about the test that he went through, not rushing mm-hmm. back. I think it was at the end of the last book, and you know, how he was tested over these different times, seeing the the destruction of House Targaryen. Uh, and it's true. Yeah, he is uh, corresponding with, with Rhaegar. Wasn't sure how much, but, I mean, enough that it's noted, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe, a, maybe a raven is sent to him, and sort of it is what, what keeps um, Aemon there at the, at the watch, and it's his third and final testing, but he knows that uh, someone's going to be sent his way or that there's someone, you know, maybe somehow he does know that... Uh, that there's a Targaryen that is that is saved or preserved or whatever, and he gets that information from from Rhaegar. But like that last communication from Rhaegar would have had to been right before the Battle of the Trident, and when Lyanna is, you know, in right. in about to have a child, he doesn't yet know the state of what's going on there, unless, like you said, there's some uh, perception and he can perceive or or look into the flames or whatever it may be have his have a green dream or a dragon dream or whatever and sort of foresee what what was to come and he's passing that on to Aemon Targaryen which could be could be yeah so yeah it's a good yeah. question it's it's cool to kind of think about like their it correspondence because we often right. we're matching him up with Blood Raven but you know Rhaegar who is there and who is making these plans who's going to the tourney of Harrenhal you know might be getting guidance from one of the wisest men you know, in Westeros and someone who, who knows the Targaryen family intimately and could have been king and who was brother to a king and, 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 and all of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, especially since, especially since the other Targaryens, you know, his dad is, you know, mad. Crazy. Yeah. yeah so crazy. crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
good uh good raven there man um thank mm-hmm. you uh, I like very them. much sir sir andre yeah so yeah guys uh if you want to send us ravens you can do so at btkcast at gmail.com or bend the knee uh you know podcast.com if you guys want to follow Ezrai on social media you can do so for me at super gains bros on instagram or twitter uh you can follow ez at womp rat underscore to m as anything else before we kind of uh close up shop here uh no i just be on the lookout for for some of um you know i was talking i think i can't remember where i hinted this at but i i've been really looking at uh these different characters so like tanda stokeworth who's in this um was a reference in this chapter is someone i wanted to talk about but i'm going to save because there's a lot uh to talk about with her and um some of these other other characters who i'm rediscovering and making new connections about I was talking to Sir Matt just the other day about the Boltons and how early did their plotting take place you know um maybe they weren't I mean Catelyn is hinting the entire time that they're not as um loyal as we think they are or that they should be and we don't trust them so got a couple cool things that I think will be fun for us to either post on Patreon or over on YouTube so just in um yeah, just excited to kind of do that for you guys. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, more content coming your way. Absolutely. Yeah, so we have definitely a more, we have an extended edition for this episode. Um, we'll be uh, doing here. And, uh, yeah, uh, for all you guys hanging out, uh, we did this on uh, our Facebook Live. You know, we never know when we could go live. We, as and I want to do a lot more of these kind of live um, hangouts. We can record uh, YouTube comments, uh, or whatever. Um, yeah, so it's just a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. Uh, we really appreciate it, especially in these dark times that we're yeah. living in. You know, I mean, we can't. It's illegal to go outside right now, which is the craziest thing I think I've ever. <laughs> literally, it is the craziest thing I've yeah. ever said in my life. In in right. my life, is that it's legal to go outside, pretty much. So, right. All right. Well, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 16, Brand Two of A Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that the night is dark and full of terrors.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.